0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fan's next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you've had a good rest of the week. I hope that you are ready to have an excellent weekend. I hope that you have bought your Devastation on the Nation 2020 tickets. Devastation on the Nation 2020 features Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant, and some of these shows have already sold out. And many more of them are going to. I can guarantee you that. So if you do not have your tickets, you absolutely should go pick them up via the link in the description of this podcast, or you could simply go to www.metalfestivaltours.com. Trust me, this is a party that you do not want to miss. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is proudly brought to you by Metal Festival Tours, Continental Concerts USA, and yours truly, the Vox & Hops podcast. This Vox & Hops episode is brought to you by Jonathan who helps support the Vox and Hops podcast by going to www.voxandhops.com, the Vox and Hops website, and clicking on the donate button and donating some funds towards the podcast. So, thank you so much for helping support the podcast. It means a lot, and I really appreciate it, Jonathan. Merci beaucoup. Today on the podcast, I am actually not sitting down with a fellow musician, I am sitting down with a fellow craft beer nerd. A craft beer blogger who happens to also be a metalhead. Today, I'm with Kaiser Dwayne from Hop Citizen. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 102. Oh, la,
0: la. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Today, I'm with Kaiser Dwayne from Hop Citizen. Hey, how are you doing? We're at Boregao Brasserie Distillery in Montreal and uh, this is the first time I've come here. Mine this is the too first time well, you've yeah. come here. Yeah, that's it. When uh, we spoke about doing a sort of collaborative episode, we talked about where to go and you uh, brought up this place. Exactly. I was like, let's do it.
2: It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Like I like that you were on board as well, you know, cuz like I was like ready for this place and you were like, yeah, let's do this part. Like it's perfect.
1: The, the best way to work with collaborations is like an improv. You say, yes, sure. and. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just gets things just moving forward much faster. There we uh, go. I've learned that from being in a band for many no, years. That's it. Yeah, right on. Let's give everyone a little rundown. What is Hop Citizen? What do you do? Tell us all about you. So Hop Citizen is a blog that I run. I
2: am the sole person that's running it. I do the photos, I drink the beer, I do the writing, I do the edits, I do all of it. And uh, I've been doing it now for about four years. It started out just as a passion project. You know, when I moved here, I started drinking a bunch of craft beer locally to try to discover the market in Montreal and Quebec and Canada, coming from California, so... I wanted to try a bunch of things and obviously I had no idea what to try first and what, what occurred was, okay, I'm going to go online. Let me look up something. I really want that West Coast Piney IPA that I used to drink in California and I found some articles and I was like, you know what? It's really cool that there's people out there that actually do this as a hobby to send out information for people like me who are like new and kind of want to discover things. And you can look up media online. And articles and reviews, and I've always been really into writing growing up. So I, I kind of took it as a a perfect match for me to take my kind of obsession with craft beer and make it into I love writing. Smash the two together and do an article, and let's get a blog going. And uh, it just kind of started that way, and then it became like a a pretty fun, exciting project that just has now continued. Do you remember what that first beer was? Of course. It was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Really? For me, yes. It was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. So when I moved to California, like, you know, California was like a big booming craft beer scene since the 70s, since uh, Fitzmatag took over the um, Anchor Brewing Company and revolutionized the steam beer. And it it was the, the place to be at the right time. And when I moved there, all I was drinking was shitty ass Miller Lite You know, even Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, all that fucking garbage. (laughs) And I had my really good friend that I had met in the dorm rooms in school. And we would always go out and smoke together. And he had a roommate who would always drink these fancy-ass fucking beers. And he'd always show up to these parties with this green fucking beer in his hand. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you drinking, man? And he's like, dude, stop drinking that piss water and drink this. And I always refused. I always told him, like, dude, no. I don't want your fucking random-ass fancy beer. Like, fuck it. One day I gave up because he kept fucking hassling me. Because he knew that I can tell that you like beer and you will fucking like this. (laughs) You have...
1: more uh, more of a palate than you know. Exactly.
2: Like you have to have this ether. You, It will change your fucking life. <laughs> and one day I caved in. I was at a party and he shows up again with a fucking six pack of this shit. And he's like, take it and drink it. And I fucking drank it. And I'm like, what the fuck have I been doing this whole time drinking this shit? And it was a Sierra Nevada pill, So
1: I have said it on the podcast before. It's uh, It was one of my precursor beers for sure. On Summer Slaughter 2008, nice. There you Me go. Me and Christian Donaldson definitely drank a whole bunch of blue for moons sure. and uh, yeah, Sierra sure. Nevadas back for in sure. the day. Yeah, and a whole bunch of horrible natural uh, natural or, lights. Yeah, natty Na- Light Natty oh. lights. Okay, yeah, not yeah. natty light. Natural light. I it was, was nat- nat- light. natural light. It was horrible. It was just yeah, no, water. It's, it's fucking cheap ass corn shit, syrup. Man. <laughs> It's terrible, but shit. it got the job done, and we got through summer slaughter. Man,
2: I don't think it gets the job done though. Like you'll get like a twelve pack of PBR, and it'll take you like fifteen to even fucking get drunk.
1: No, you just get to a nice <laughs> little. <laughs> yeah, you get. to like I remember a little you plateau. said it was poor's light you know, yeah, before fuck. I got into it. Oh man, let's see what these beers got. We let's have go. uh, two flights in front of us. Sort We're of. starting off with their lager Noir, their black lager. It's uh, sort of new. He was telling me. Nice. Let's see what it's got. Nice. Cheers. It smells uh, a little bit malty i really
2: like this whole like um well at least for me like you know i've, I've gone from let's do pale ales and let's do ipas let's do double ipas to let's do barrel aged fucking bourbon stouts and now i'm at that point where i've been drinking all this shit for such a long time i've hit that top point and then i've gone down and now i'm like yeah i just want a good pills or like a you know like a dark lager and it's fucking great but,
1: i love varieties, so, yeah, so the fact that yeah. uh, if you guys don't know what borgal uh, is all about they only make dark beers which I find very refreshing I love in it. a haze-craze yeah. environment that we're in. Like. So, so this is still you know, a little bit malty, but it sta- tastes like a classic Czech pills. On well, the that's skin. it. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's it. And I mean, I, I kind of like that business model as well for Beauregard because I've talked to many brewers or brewery owners, and they always tell me, like, you know, well, we don't want to make the fucking IPA, but we kind of have to. And I'm like, why do you have to? It's because everyone starts out into this kind of craze for microbreweries with IPAs and paleoils. Like, everybody wants an IPA. Everybody wants to drink a pale oil. People don't want to go from, like, Budweiser to a fucking imperial coconut stout, you know, it's like too uh, it's, it's too, too much. It's too much of a jump. Yeah. So the, if they do that, they're going to be like, no, I don't want to do this. It's it's not what I want. Like it's not good. But if you take them slowly to transition through like the pale and an IPA, it's it's perfect because it's just a little bit up from the shitty Budweisers and and that kind of stuff. With a little bit more hoppiness, with a bit more bitterness, S- some kind of tropical fruits in there sometimes here and there, you know. And uh, it's a really good intro beer for non-microbrewery drinkers and I like that they are kind of focusing on just this even though the IPAs sell and the IPAs and Payloads will make the, the the brand money so they can do the stuff that they actually want to do it's good to see that they're like this is our vision, this is what we want, and this is how we're going to make it, and that's it. You and know, it's absolutely good. doing well because yeah, everybody loves great. their yes, products. Exactly. Exactly. They,
1: they've been putting out solid bangers. They just celebrated their one-year anniversary. Exactly. And yeah. a huge shout out to uh, Cedric uh, for welcoming definitely. us here today, definitely, and uh, giving us such a warm welcome. Exactly. This is delicious. Very easy drink. It's very nice. Um, drinkable, crushable. And it's five point four percent. So. It's almost like a Coca-Cola color would be mine. Yeah, it's true. My my description there
2: isn't much carbonation on it and it is a bit clear as well but not as clear but yeah it's really nice
1: yeah to to make like a correlation of pale ales as a gateway beer, yeah, I would do it as, you know, people listening to Nickelback Oh God! and then gradually get into <laughs> Slipknot to make their way to Cannibal Court. What's
2: funny is last night I was drinking, um, I opened up like a porter right before bed. That's why I sent you the photo last night, you know? That's right. One in doubt,
1: one more stout. <laughs>
2: Except for me, it was one in doubt, one more porter. <laughs> and I didn't realize at that point that it was a 11% porter. I thought it was like, you know, 9%. Yeah, I can... It's a 500ml. I can probably crush it before I go to sleep, you know? Um, I had to wait a few hours for it to warm up to a good level because it's a barrel-aged bourbon porter. And... Man, I was sipping on that for three hours. Wow. And in the process, I was doing some blog work slash I decided to feel a little bit nostalgic so I put on (laughs) some Nickelback.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking this is actually true so the fact that you mentioned it is hilarious. That's too funny. Because
2: like I don't know I was just fucking there and you know what How You Remind Me is like one of the songs that kind of took me from I mean I was already listening to kind of like punkish kind of stuff back then but (laughs) The alternative phase showed up, and I was listening to Linkin Park and Nickelback and all that kind of junk. Love Linkin Park. Nickelback, not so much. Not anymore. But then it, like you said, then I heard Slipknot. I heard Slayer, and it just kind of climbed drastically from
1: there. Uh, We actually met in person at the Vox and Hops one-year anniversary anniversary. party. But we almost met a few weeks before that. I visually met you... When I watched you stage dive, that's Suffocation. Suffocation, hell at yes. At the Despised Icon, Suffocation, Ingested, Kubai Clan and Shadow of Intent show at Club Soda earlier this year. So <laughs> I was with Ollie, my bassist, and he was like, yeah, there's a beer guy here. <laughs> he knows you. He's <laughs> and then he's like, oh, that's him. <laughs> As you jump off the stage. So, So let's talk about why do you think metal and beer go so well together.
2: Yes, it's more of just like, you know, as far as the kind of history of metal and how it kind of evolved into a genre stems from people that... I mean, um, Rob Zombie says it best in the Headbanger's Journey documentary where he mentions like, you know, like metal is the music for outsider people, introverted people, and like, you know, when we come together at a concert we just become ourselves and we let loose we mosh we crowd surf we stage dive we do stupid shit but it's kind of like our way of relieving that whatever aggression you may have in life or even happiness you may have in life like it's um, and it works well with craft beer because I mean I don't know we just guess tend to party and have fun and go on the mosh pit and have a few drinks you know you you
1: were mentioning earlier that uh you go to these beer events all the time, yeah, so you meet it. a bunch of people, and then you go to concerts and you would cross the same people. So
2: like it's 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 I, I don't know exactly what makes that connection, but I guess it's more of just like an artistic level um like it's it's, it's an artistic connection cuz you know music is artistic and there's different facets to it. And it kind of relates to microbreweries as well. Or so you have like standard AB InBev stuff like Budweiser. It's just one fucking thing, and that's what you're gonna get. But with microbreweries, you can kind of discover new beers, new breweries, new styles. Just like in metal, you have so many different subgenres and subcategories, and you can kind of love black metal, but you can also love 70s punk. That's you know, right. You can yeah. listen to freaking deathcore like Die Artist Murder but still maybe play nickelback at two in the morning drinking a port, You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's i guess it's that variety of options that you have in the artistic sense that kind of connects the two together you know and they, it goes well and it's not just microbrewery and metal you can have metal and a whole other variety of of art fields that really just work well together <laughs>
1: When you, you said that you moved here, you started looking, trying to find that West Coast IPA that you were drinking in yeah, California. Yeah. What would have been some of those places that you went to that you found and became the inspiration for Hop Citizen?
2: So pretty much how it worked was I moved here from California in 2011. And when I initially moved here, I was on a visitor permit. So I wasn't able to work and I was only here for maybe two or three months. I saw my market for my job, so I kind of extended my visitor permit, and then I got a working holiday as an Australian, and obviously back then it was like, you know, no job, no money, very, very minimal spending, so I was just drinking really crap beer, and then that's when I said, okay, I want to, now that I'm stable in my position and my job, I want to actually explore the microbrewery scene here, and... That's when I looked up the stuff. And for me, I wanted the West Coast thing, like you're saying. And the first thing that I saw on the shelf was La Store's Yakima IPA. And I tried that. And then the other thing I saw was Dudu Ciel's Morality. So I tried that. Both of them I fell in love with instantly. Because, of course, like I had a Morality on tap yesterday at a timeout market. I was with a friend of mine. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have that throwback because Mariah still to me tastes fucking phenomenal
1: my question really was like who are your inspirations when shaping your blog you have to look to beerism.ca as like an influencer in my mind because he's Noah's the big boy of the beer blog world from Quebec
2: what happened was when I searched IPAs in Canada IPAs in Quebec it was his article that actually popped up on my google search and uh, it was, uh, he wrote an article about Great Lakes from Ontario, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I need to get some Great Lakes, and I was like, well, fuck, it's in fucking Ontario, like, yeah. uh, I'm not in Ontario, I'm in fucking Quebec, so then, uh, I guess, seeing how he could do something as a hobby, like I mentioned earlier, you know, and s- spread the information out to people like me who are trying to get information and make decisions accordingly was really cool to me so obviously he played a big role in influencing me to decide to do this because i saw him and i was like well he's very well you know he's able to like really write well and he's writing about beer i love writing and i'm i obviously love beer so i can definitely mash the two together like he did and kind of do a nice little hobby so of course he was obviously probably like a first influence other than that I, I guess I just saw that there was one other guy that used to blog in English but he stopped blogging a long long time ago um, and you know I'm here in Quebec I do know French but I'm not fluent in French and I wanted to do my blog in English and there's only two of us really that did it in English back then when I started. It was Beerism and me and that was it. And we had multitasker Derek who he does things on and off but not as frequent as I guess Beerism. I mean Beerism is a guy Noah's doing things like full on you know. Like for me it's like I'll try to live up to that level that Noah does but man I just don't have the time to keep <laughs> up with it you know it's, it's tough when you got work you got a wife you got this you got that you, know, you got chores it's, it's hard to kind of combine everything together and make it happen
1: and it's just, uh, at the end of it it's a passion project same thing with Vox and Hops there's exactly. no finances coming no, from no that's this. it there's no finances the like, only perk is Once you start receiving those first packages in the mail, when breweries start taking you serious and start encouraging, see you as a potential way to market their products. At what point did that happen and who would have been that first brewery that trusted you to send you products?
2: So I started out in 2015. And back then, I would just seek out stuff, buy stuff, and try it out, and then maybe write about it. Uh, I think the first people that really kind of decided to start sending me things to help them market was probably Boreal when they came out with the Nordest. Really? Yeah. I think, as far as my memory goes, maybe, yes, Boreal. Such a groundbreaking uh, beer, that. Yeah, I know that Gabriel and uh, Florent, he contacted me and he's like, uh, here you go. Like, uh, we've got this coming out. It's the first (laughs) new kind of rebranding that we're doing. And we're doing a hazy IPA. And they sent me a few cans. And I I remember the moment I was sitting on the kitchen table. I cracked it open. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. (sighs) Poured it in the glass. I drank it, I smelled it, and I looked at my wife, and I'm like, this is the one. <laughs> Boreal's back. I'm like, this is the one that I have been searching for locally to have, like, a hazy, fruity, tropical IPA. So I changed guess change the game. Change the game. Them, yeah, like I M- totally B-I-O changed with the game. That's it, yeah. So they were probably one of the first ones that really started sending me stuff to cover. And then, of course, uh, Ollie Olivier from Matera. Olivier from Matera... Contacted me super early in their when their brewery was first starting out. Like at that point, they had just had a vision that they were working on. He had showed me the plans that they wanted to do for their actual personal brewery space, and uh, he sent me their tam tam session in a growler. Really, the that's first, super cool. The first batch of the tam tam session cool. he ever sent, and that they ever did. And I hated it.
1: Really? I, I, I told them. I wrote an article <laughs> and
2: everything, but I told them, like, no, I, I, I really, it's good. It's not terrible. I drank the whole freaking Growler. It's not like I poured it away. It was, it was not a bad beer, but obviously it's experimental. Like it's the first batch that they did. They're going to change the recipe a bit.
1: Was that it, when they were at uh, Schlag already? This or this was that when they were homebrew? This was before. Yeah. This is when yeah. they were
2: homebrew. And then, like, shortly after, the, like, in that time frame, they were still kind of finalizing things with Oschlag, and then they moved over to Oschlag. And then they had their second round of Tam Tam, and it just got better and better and better. Because obviously, you know, they're starting young, they're starting new, they're still kind of working with their brewing system, they're still kind of working with their recipes. As a beer, I loved it, the first batch that they ever made, but as a session IPA, not so much. Like, it was still a great beer to drink, but it was not a session IPA in any Kind of in any way but now of course they've perfected the recipe and it's more of like a proper session ipa that I, they I, to. I
1: love matera they are on, yeah, uh, amazing me and craig's top 10 brewery list for a reason uh, stutter stout is probably one of the best stouts in in quebec
2: like what i was saying earlier was you know like beauregard they just want to do stouts this is what they want this is what they're good at matera they want to do their wild ales and their stouts and the barrel aging and that's what they do best and everything that i've had from them as far as like wild or sours or, or barrel aged stouts is Phenomenal! Absolutely, that Frau you know, Riesling. Like it loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, that was good. The
1: peach. The peach. Uh, the peach, yeah, uh, the peach, peach. one was really good too. Yeah. yeah. I,
2: I had the Frau Riesling in Laurier Park actually. Really? Because they had like a bunch of brewers that met up and uh, they invited me over, so I came and that's when I first had it and it was, it was delicious.
1: Awesome. Speaking of further beers, we're moving on to the Imperial framboise Noir. This is a blended beer, actually, of their classic sour um, raspberry beer. And their bourbon stout clocks in at a very, very sneaky 8.8%. I had this last weekend, so I know what it's oh, like. nice. Let's see what it's got here. Right on. It smells, you can smell on the nose the raspberries.
2: I think frambles and stouts just are a yeah. perfect match. So
1: good. Just boozy enough sour enough. It's like a perfectly balanced beer. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's very dark. Reddish a little bit. Well,
2: it's a funny story about you know, we're drinking stouts here at Beauregard and this is what they do. They like dark beers. When I like I started drinking craft beer a long time ago when I was in California, but I never really Branched off to having stouts. I had porters here and there, but never stouts even when I moved to Quebec never had a stout And the only reason why is because I I don't really drink caffeine I stopped having caffeine 13, 14 years ago.
1: Wow, I'm impressed. I, I need caffeine to survive. I mean, I
2: have green tea, Can. but that's the only kind of caffeinated beverage I will ever drink. I don't drink coffee, I don't drink soda, I don't drink anything else. Um, and water was, and beer. Water and beer, exactly. <laughs> I don't even drink juice. So, yes, it's literally just water, beer, and green tea. That's, that's, that's my motto, you know, in life. But I never actually drank stouts, and every time I'd go, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd drive to Hill Farmstead, they'd have stouts, I would never buy them. And it was actually Noah who told me, he's like, why aren't you drinking stouts like what the fuck is wrong with you and I'm like well I don't drink coffee and he's like you know that not all stouts don't have coffee and I'm like but they taste like coffee and he's like yeah it's just the malts and I'm like mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> so I will now drink stouts <laughs> and then you did yeah. <laughs> and I did and I do still drink sometimes coffee stouts because I'm like fuck it coffee starts are amazing but they'll keep me up all night really you oh feel my it? god yeah. yeah like i did an article for do the on their pesche mortel so good a pesche is fucking delicious and it's world known like people and it's bang for your buck exactly exactly but man i if i'm ever gonna that article it took me a long time to actually get everything together to write it because i could only have one pesche mortel variant that also starting at 3 p.m. So that it would wear off for you to be able to, to go to sleep at like a reasonable time. So it wear off by like 1 and I could pass out. Anytime I've ever drank a Pesci Mortel at 9, I'm awake till 7 a.m. Really? I'm fucking Holy wired. Shit
1: it's like cocaine for you. it is
2: like cocaine <laughs> and my wife loves it for one reason and one reason only because at 3 a.m i'm fucking cleaning the entire house there you go you know like
1: i'm wired as fuck i've got the broom and i'm doing it <laughs> i can't sleep anyway so why not fuck it you, you mentioned before that you didn't enjoy the first tam tam when people send you free beer mm. to revu- review do you feel an obligation to be nice to them I do feel an obligation to be nice to them, but I like in your don't, reviews if you don't like the beer. Yeah.
2: Like I, I mean yes, obviously I'm gonna be nice, and I I, I tell this to people all the time. Like uh, whenever they do decide that they want to send me some stuff to review, I'm like, okay, listen, you you know who I am. You've read my reviews, you've read my articles, you know how I write. I'm always honest, but I'm never bashing. Like I'm not gonna be an asshole and be like, oh, this is fucking garbage. I drain poured it. Don't drink it. But I'm not going to be like, this is bloody amazing. It's a five on five. No, I'm, I'm going to give you an honest review. If I don't like it, I will tell you, like, it's not my cup of tea. And these are the reasons why. I don't think it really lived up to this level that I expected. And that's it. I'll be, you know, formal and nice and respectful.
1: Yes, because it is someone's baby.
2: It, it's exactly like it's if like someone reviewing someone's someone's album, uh, album, that's what yeah. I mean. It's like reviewing someone's album or if like, you know, if you know I, I'm working on a film and it comes out and they're like oh that movie was shit you know <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my, my heart and soul went into that and you know, many like many a, hours and exactly the finances like, so and obviously you have to be respectful but you also have to be honest one because it helps the consumers know okay this is his opinion and I always say this thing at the end is like even though I didn't like it yeah, you, you might, might. yeah because it's thing. subjective like what you love I hate what I hate you know, like, it's, it's, it's different for everybody and every style. So I always tell them, like, you know, try it out for yourself. Maybe you might love it. Maybe you might not. But that's the whole point of this culture is that we get to go out, explore, and try different things. You know, that's the untapped culture. Like, you want to untap it. So you might as well go out and try it,
1: even if it's not living up to my height. But, yeah. Something that I've realized after having a podcast for over over a year now is... I love craft beer. I like to drink craft beer, but it makes my body. You know, it's hard to stay in shape having a craft beer podcast and being a blogger. What is your secret if you have one? My secret is I
2: have gained 15 pounds and I'm trying <laughs> to lose it now. That's my secret. I don't have it in four secret. years. In four years. That's yeah. not so bad. It could be worse. No, no, it could be worse. So, so usually what happens is like I'll reach. I, I literally set myself a limit. I'm like, when you hit this weight, shape the fuck up, you know? And then I'll, I'll drop down 10 pounds and then I'll go up 10 pounds. I'll go on vacation.
1: And it's just and not drinking beer or it's you do a regimen?
2: Well, no, it's... Uh, I I don't really work out as much as I used to. I did work out a lot before, but uh, with work and and this, it's hard to kind of get the time to just make it happen. Because
1: when we go through a, a drinking night, it's easily a oh, thousand loads, calories, loads. Like, easily.
2: Like, like, I know, like, but w- more for sure. So what I was telling you just earlier, like, dude, like a stout like this, it's like three hundred, four hundred calories just for a pint. It's, it's insane. It's a meal in itself. It's a meal in itself. Like you have yeah. three or four. You have four pints of stout. That's 2,000 calories. That's, That's your, your daily intake. Worth of, yeah, yeah. your daily intake for food. Holy oh shit. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that like three times a week? You, you're going to gain weight for sure. Is, is there
1: a point where you still enjoy drinking craft beer? You get sent beer, you have to review it. Uh, how do you deal with that? I, I'm at sort of getting into this that I yeah. have beers in my house. Late night decisions tend to me want to go grab it. You can't grab it. So If you do grab it, you have to write a view, take pictures of that's it. it.
2: So it, it is definitely a process because then, you know, you bring out the camera, you do your thing, you take the photos, you take your notes, you drink it, and uh, it does become difficult when you get a lot of stuff coming in. When it's things like, you know, barrel-aged stouts or Saison's or Wild Ales, it's easier and so you can kind of plan out your your month and be like okay on these days i'll have this and you can spread it out but when you get 20 Slammed. ipas yeah. oh you're you're screwed yeah because ipas have, shelf, yeah, life exactly. and they have shelf life so and for me i'm always like i, I always want to have my ipas if i've never had it before at the latest when they're three weeks aged just three weeks it. aged if i have doubles okay. i'll have one at three and i'll have one at six just to get okay. an idea of how it Kind of progresses over time because some breweries' IPAs at three weeks are phenomenal and then fourth week they fall off hard. Yes. Some breweries can go on for eight weeks and it's fine. How how about
1: um, do you still go out and purchase beer? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, (laughs) of course I do. (laughs) Um, Your top. Quebec Microbrewery Brewery, um, of 2019.
2: I would say the two that I've really—I mean, there's still a lot I need to discover. I have been so busy building my new house, moving into the house, starting a new job and a new position. So it's been quite a crazy year this year. So I haven't really had the opportunity to go to all the new places that I've heard about and try all the places like Sir John, Gallicus. Like there's lots of lots of stuff I have yet to try. I did go to Wood Brothers in the summer, which was amazing. I love Wood Brothers. So that's definitely, for me, one for sure is Wood Brothers Brewing. And they're not really Quebec, but they're in Ontario. It's close enough. It's on the border, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Besides that, locally from Quebec, I would have to say that Avant Garde. I mean, they opened up their brewery this summer.
1: It's huge. It's an amazing contract brewer success story.
2: It is, and I love it. And I've... Jukebox Distortion is actually the third one that I had. So it was Yakima, Morality, and then Distortion. Which is amazing. It was available everywhere. Exactly. It was awesome. Yeah, I agree. And um, I have been in contact with Renault and Sean from Avant-Garde for eons you know since i started this and super chill guys absolutely super friendly it's you know you feel like family when you see them they're just open to everybody and it's really good to see that they finally have their own place have their own spot and they're doing amazing beers um and then the third i would say would be probably matera because their barrel age stuff is incredible um so, yeah, I'd say those three for sure. Anything else I'm not really too sure about.
1: Kaiser, thank you so much for coming. Cheers,
2: of course. Drinking some beers for with me. me. Hell yes. On Vox
1: and Hops. Um, we're going to keep hanging out, drinking a whole bunch of beers here, and you'll see all of those pictures and reviews on Hop Citizen. I'm going to put that link in the description. Uh, cheers. Thank you so, so much. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I love sitting down with fellow metal media craft beer people, digging deeper into uh, what their lives are like, dealing with a passion that has turned into a hobby, that has turned into something that has completely taken over our lives. Uh, Not many people understand this. uh, As much as I can chit-chat with uh, fellow band people about my band, First World Problems, uh, not everyone understands what it's like having a podcast, having a blog uh, focused on craft beer. Some of the problems and some of the complications that arise with that. It's uh, very interesting to pick someone's brain who is living the same complications that you are. Some of these problems that arise when you are a craft beer blogger, if you have a craft beer podcast, are a craft beer social media entity is you run out of time. Which is why, sadly, at this point... Kaiser Dwayne from Hop Citizen didn't have a chance to complete his side of this collaborative episode. As soon as his link is up, I shall drop that link into the description of this podcast. I will post it all over my socials, and then you can check it out there. Huge shout out to uh, Kaiser Dwayne for sitting down with me, and a massive, massive shout out to Cedric and the rest of the Borregal Brasserie Distillery team and crew their beers are fucking incredible if they are not on your radar yet they absolutely should be only dark beers barrel aged beers absolutely delicious if you can find them you should get some i'm super stoked about their products about this brewery so excited for them and i can't wait to taste more of their beers so a huge thank you merci cedric merci to the rest of the team i will be back As always, the best way to support the Vox and Hops podcast is via the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. There are no more shirts up there. I have closed the pre-orders on all the shirts. I'm going to be taking a break on that for right now. But there are still some cuff-knit beanies up there. Not too many, but I still have a few in stock. And I still have a few of the Vox and Hops 9-ounce tasting glasses up there. You can grab those. It helps support the podcast. If you want to be cool, just as cool as Jonathan Desmare was, I would like to donate some funds towards the Vox and Hops podcast. You can do that via the Vox and Hops website. That's www.voxandhops.com. And click that donate button. And I'll give you a shout out on the upcoming episodes. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. I hope that you have a great week. Remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.